1: Hey guys, we've received lots of questions in the Facebook group about choosing a career or changing from one industry to another, whether you should, how to do it, and when is the right time? So, we've gone to the market, we've found the experts, and we have a series of industry spotlights to help you make this game-changing decision. Who doesn't love a good bonus app?
0: Welcome to My Millennial Career, my name is Shelley Johnson, I'm a HR professional and I'm hanging out with Emily as always. Emily, so very formal. Very <laughs> It's very formal
1: uh, today. So I am Emily and I work at a business called Forsyth Recruitment and HR and I've brought a friend along today. Hey Mitch, how are you going?
2: Not Mitchell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you?
1: I thought we'd just keep it a little bit more chill. Um, it's Friday, we're recording on a Friday. Let's It's great not get to have to you to... with us,
0: Mitchell and Emily. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank
1: you Shelley. <laughs> hey Mitch, I, you and I work together so as I say I, I've brought you along here today, I've conned you into it and I'm hoping that you might be able to give us your insights into the tech industry because we're going to do a deep dive and hopefully answer some questions that people have when either they're looking to get into that industry, uh, the technology industry or maybe looking to build their career. Do you reckon you're up for that?
2: I think so, yeah. I think you can yeah, handle I, it? I think I've learned a bit about it. Okay, um, why
1: is that? Tell us, what do you do, Mitch? <laughs> uh,
2: I work in uh, recruitment with 4 Size Recruitment and HR. I manage the IT tech and digital recruitment uh, across Newcastle, the Hunter Valley, Central Coast and Sydney and Western Sydney regions.
0: I'm sure there's lots of diversity in terms of location too. Do you find uh, – and this question's not on our question list, so sorry, Mitch, to put you on the spot. Freestyling <laughs> already on the spot. But uh, do you find – So between like say Hunter Valley versus Sydney, are are the roles quite different or are the roles that you're recruiting for in the tech space fairly similar across the board?
2: Look, if we get out to uh, the Hunter Valley and, and probably more towards Maitland and, and areas like that, a lot of it is council kind of work. So it will be more contract based as opposed to, you know, the the real technical software development kind of roles. Those organisations usually closer to a city like Newcastle or, or Sydney. Um, so there will be just a bit of difference in that, but it, it's not that there are none out there, just less.
1: And we have listeners all across the country. And so would you say that, you know, we're talking about New South Wales as a bit of a case study, but... In your experience, are other states the same where maybe the, the regional cities or towns, it's more about that local government, maybe they're more traditional technology roles, whereas the capital cities or closer to capital cities, I don't know, what would you call those roles? They're more commercial roles, perhaps?
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It, it kind of does seem to be a, a bit of a differentiator and, and fairly consistent as well. Um, I know through Queensland and particularly rural Queensland, uh, it'll either be council or to be to do with mining uh, and, mm. and sometimes production.
1: That makes sense. Hey, we've probably jumped ahead because you did start to freestyle there, Shell. Um, which is a good warm-up. We're just checking that we want to keep you around, Mitch. <laughs> uh, but this word technology, I did just want to double-check. Is that the right term? So, if we're doing this industry deep dive, I've heard things like you've just mentioned, you know, your niche area of expertise is IT, tech and digital. Is technology a fair sort of catch-all for us to use or what? what is common language in this space that you work?
2: Yeah, look, I... I probably couldn't think of a better word to call it than, than technology. Tech really is, is kind of just what referred to as, as an all-encompassing word but it is an extremely broad um, area of expertise and particularly to work in uh, for recruitment. Um, IT, tech and digital are three kind of different things and the roles will span from you know the more technical development roles which we've spoken about further. Um, you've got your web and software development and engineering analysis, uh, of you know, business analysis, data analysis, data sciences and then you've got the, the more hands-on infrastructure type roles. Uh, like uh, telecommunications or data centers and and the like Uh, it also goes into project management product ownership product management there's a lot it's a really really diverse industry to be working in
0: and a massive uh, there's huge growth opportunities obviously in that space and I'm just interested Mitch what are the trends that you're seeing at the moment when it comes to having a career in the tech space
2: well, uh, a lot of the careers really follow the money, and uh, some of the main, uh, I guess, organisations in tech that are really finding a lot of success commercially at the moment are either software as a service organisations who build software products, uh, like Zero, for example, in New Zealand. Gone are the days, I guess, when you just pay a one-off fee and you have the licensing to a product and you own that forever. It's subscriptions; they're constantly updated, and then IoT as well, which is the Internet of Things or, or ground to cloud devices. Uh, these are things from smart parking uh, to smart lamps to thermostats. To Did Google you just home. say
1: smart lamps?
2: Smart lamps. Can you
1: just – I know we're starting to go down a little rabbit hole here, but I, what is a smart lamp?
2: Well, uh, do you know Philips Hue, that that product? So I'm going to say
1: yes. Yeah, and I'm going to Google
0: it later. <laughs> <laughs> And I oh, yeah. I love that. I'm like, yes, I do. Really in, internally shaking your head. No, I don't. I've got no idea. Keep going, Mitch. Well, look,
2: I could just tell by the tone that that was a really genuine thing. <laughs> so I don't need to explain it to you, but Shelly so oh, thank you, uh, Philip's Hue is it's a light bulb, but just connects to the internet, so you can control it through your phone. You can have it dim um, or turn on when you get close or with uh, close to home or, or after a certain time. You can have it flash when Domino's delivery guy is near nearby, so you can go out and get it without worrying about your phone.
1: So if I'm thinking career in tech, how What am I doing when it comes to creating these smart devices in this IoT world? I don't even know if that sentence just made sense.
2: It does make sense. Good. So in this world, there's obviously a lot of, uh, they they run quite complicated programs um, to have their triggers and to collect data um, and send that to your phone so that you can, um, I guess, see, you know, why that light is flashing. For example, or um, if you have a, a monitoring uh, system on a water tank or uh, on equipment that you have to see that there is a you know there's a problem with a hose potentially coming up, so you might need to service um, some equipment that you have or that your water tank is is getting low. Um, so in these sort of careers, you'll go into the engineering side of things, software development, and then there's the data collection side of things. You, you would have heard about data being the new coal or the new oil. It takes uh, a lot to really collect this data and then to use it and turn it into a credible or actionable insight um, and actually get the value out of it
0: so there's huge diversity in the roles that are available and i'm i'm keen to hear mitch from what you're seeing what are the new opportunities coming into the space because uh with every uh passing year we're seeing new roles and and i'm just keen to know what are you uh, forecasting will be some of those opportunity areas that don't exist currently
2: it don't exist currently
0: or roles that maybe our listeners haven't heard of like the example of obviously we know now about smart lamps yeah <laughs> whats you mm. yeah <laughs> mm, sounds good so <laughs> what what are the other things you're seeing that maybe some of our listeners haven't heard of as job opportunities that you're seeing in the industry
2: i, li- I think data scientists um, it's a position which is i think you you mostly find them in really big business like mining they collect a lot of information um and yeah, they, they need a lot to go into that to, to actually report and, and to make that useful. Um, I think really data science is probably, uh, it's been growing a lot and it's been sort of forecast to explode for a very, very long time. It's a bit more in depth than just uh, you know, data analysis and, and, and building reports. Uh, it's you know, using uh, Python and, and, and actually creating forecasts and um, I guess uh, trying to simulate or predict what might be happening based on the data you've collected.
1: And Python, I feel like I'll just jump in with little like definitions every now and then. That's a coding language?
2: Yeah, programming language. Yeah, one of the more popular in the world.
0: Got it. And so, would you say that now's a good time to get into uh, tech as an industry?
2: Unequivocally, yes. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned, the when COVID happened, obviously a lot of people unfortunately started to lose their jobs and, and we saw a 30% increase year on year on the amount of jobs advertised in tech. And I think depending on who you ask, whether it's the government or, or whether you ask a recruiting agency, anywhere between 40 to, to 70% of ads uh, of jobs available at one time were actually advertised. So if you consider it was a 30% year on year increase in the advertisements and the actual volume of jobs that are available at any one time, it's a lot, it's significant.
1: Did you see a change in or any particular roles in tech that through COVID, so over the last six months, and I'm assuming still it would be still the case, any particular roles that there's been a surge on?
2: Yeah, it's it's been really consistent with development. It's it's um, sort of just continued on the the trajectory, I think. But a really big influx we had was I think uh, many service providers really uh, Benefited from it, but it was really that uh, that support, the setting people up to work remotely, uh, systems administration, those sorts of roles really saw a pretty good uplift at the beginning of COVID.
1: We haven't talked much about cybersecurity today, but it is a conversation you and I have had in the past, and I know a lot of businesses, I guess, are becoming more and more aware of cybersecurity. Is that a space that there are new roles in, or is it a space where the roles have always been there, but maybe the there's growth in in the availability of those. What would be your comment in the cybersecurity space?
2: I think there's uh, there's growth in the way that there's a there's you know billions and billions of dollars have been put in just this financial year from the government uh, as an investment into cyber security information security um, within government departments. So the jobs are there, just that the branches are getting more funding and and obviously teams are growing because of that. But what you're starting to see now is that. I don't know, these positions are being uh, created, new positions are being created in companies that wouldn't usually have uh, their own information or cybersecurity professional in the team. Uh, they'd usually just outsource that. So I think people, as a part of a digital transformation, going paperless, having everything stored online, are really taking uh, or paying a bit more attention into how that's being stored, how it can be accessed and manipulated, and yeah, putting money into making sure that they're at the top of the line on that.
0: So, obviously, there's a lot of jobs in the industry is what I'm hearing you say. So, for any of our listeners right now who are either in technology, in in the industry already, or they're keen to get into that space, what are employers looking for when they're recruiting or in their teams?
2: It's a a really interesting uh, question because I think in, uh, in a lot of business, you really look for people who are, um, who are motivated and they're looking to grow and progress and it just doesn't happen at the same sort of pace uh, in technology. So I think you look more for the types of personality who are, who are genuinely going to thrive uh, in these new positions. One of the main things of that is uh, I think a, a real... Sort of curiosity, a passion for for problem solving. I had a client once who who was extremely excited. I put a can in front of them who did mathematical, mathematical logical problems in her spare time, did puzzles. I think those are um, they indicators that you'll be up to date with technology. You'll be really sort of trying new things, and you just be trying to do better because it's um, you know more of an intrinsic driver.
1: And. Just early on in in your answer there, Mitch, you talked about growth and progression doesn't happen as quickly in tech. Have I heard that correctly? I'm getting a nod. Um, I guess I was just hoping you could explain that a little bit more to us because my perception as an outsider is, well, tech's moving really quickly. To your point, often employers are looking for employees regardless of their industry expertise or their technical expertise that are wanting to better themselves. So what makes you say that, that maybe the pace isn't the same in, in tech?
2: So uh, in tech being a more hands-on or, or you know, technical type roles. Teams will already be established. If you're coming into those teams, it takes a lot of tenure and a lot of time and, and, and upskilling to get the skills to actually move from, say, junior developer into a mid-developer and then mid to senior and then senior into a solutions architect and, and really go down that career path. You also will find that people who get to kind of the top of the hands-on or technical roles might have problems progressing uh, into a more management or lead type role or into a more strategic type role because you're going from a really technical focus to a really sort of soft skill and strategic focus. That bridge or or that uh, the skills to kind of uh, jump across into a bit of a fork in a career aren't always there. So people who are quite senior and as long as they're committed to upskilling and staying um, very modern with their skill set, they won't have anywhere higher to go and, and will sort of stay and it can get quite top heavy.
0: That's really a, a, such an interesting uh, point that you're making. I've seen that happen a lot in businesses where they struggle to find your tech leaders and your tech managers. Tell me about what you've seen in that space of what – if someone does want to progress into that leadership space in technology, What's what, what needs to be different for them to make them stand out?
2: Well, look, it's uh – There's an attitude or or sort of the old cliche image of of someone who works in tech as a developer will be someone who wears a hoodie and they stay in the back room. They're not really uh, a part of of, uh, the social working place. And and now that workplaces are really so much more social, your work-life balance is really important, but also um, I think you're spending more time in work or at least plugged into work. Um, You really need to have people who can incorporate into that team environment. So focusing when you're at university, getting into different clubs and and, and being a part of, you know, social events, going to meetups, professional networking events. What it does is it gives you the skills to actually work with people and communicate with people and you'll learn a bit more about, you know, people management and leadership and and just naturally be able to move into those roles. Um, But otherwise, you you really need to sort of pay attention to to what courses you're doing and, and try and find something to do with management or leadership.
0: So, Mitch, what about someone who's wanting to move from um, a different industry into technology? What are the qualifications or skills or capabilities that they need to kind of um, get a start in the industry?
2: It depends, I guess, on your background. Uh, one of the easier or, or uh, transitions to make will be in a field like a, a business anal- uh, analyst or uh, project management. You'll need to do sort of foundational things on, on what your area of expertise will be, whether you be a business systems analyst, whether you're, you're moving from sort of payroll to ERP implementations, um, or if it's project manager, if you've done, you know, physical or construction projects you can move into technical infrastructure just kind of you need to look at what you have in common and and what the closest type of of role within tech would be um, and then focus on how you can sort of bridge that gap or or get additional qualifications in in that area.
0: And are you seeing people make that move?
2: Yeah business analysts in particular moving over from payroll finance into ERP implementations and then uh, into different systems implementations.
1: Yeah, great. What's the competition like? Because I think it's one thing to talk about the fact that there are a growing number of roles, that it's an industry that fortunately, even with the world changing in the way that it has this year, it continues to go from strength to strength. Uh, But I'm mindful that particularly where there's this breadth, we're talking about the fact that technical skills are critical, particularly early on in your career or um, for the sort of building stages of a career. So if I'm a candidate applying for a job, how easy is it for me to actually going to be for me to actually get a job?
2: It is very competitive tech mm. um, in saying that there is a massive skills shortage. So skills are in high demand. Uh, there's obviously a lot more graduates coming through in tech. So those junior and entry level positions are a lot more competitive and um, Around about 50% of of the workforce in uh, ICT in Australia um, weren't born in Australia, so it's not that necessarily every single person's on a sponsored visa, but there is uh, an indication there that we have a a massive skills shortage. So for those sort of mid and and, and higher up positions, it's quite competitive, but they are readily available. But now you're sort of dealing with the fact that businesses are supporting working from home and remote working. So you're not just dealing with uh, competitors uh, or you know other applicants from your area. It's, it's people from all over Australia and sometimes the world now.
0: And so in that space for a grad where it is competitive... What would you say to someone listening today to make, help them stand out? What can they be doing to differentiate themselves from the next applicant?
1: Particularly, I think that, you know, that first job job—that's um, right. I'm mindful of. So, you know, whether it is because you've graduated or maybe while you're at uni, you're looking for that first job. I think it'd be nice to just provide some advice while we've got you to those people listening.
2: So, the first job that people go into outside of uni is... Uh, it kind of can be make or break uh, in university. The degree that you would do it can be quite broad. You might, you know, major in in software development or engineering, uh, but that might not necessarily be the first job that's available to you when you go out. A lot of people move into a help desk or support role straight out of school. Um, but if you go into that and you still, you know, you have ambitions to be a developer engineer, the best way to sort of really, uh, I guess, show. What you're interested in and what you wanted to go down is to continue to upskill outside so there are a lot of free courses you can do i know being in university and just coming out you're probably not busting to get back in and and do more qualifications but Code Academy Coursera Udemy they offer free courses that you can do that just sort of put a bit of a better identifier on what your actual direction is Um, and if you're looking at you know CV and you just sort of get it through and you've got someone who seems to have really focused on this one area when studying and they've gone into a totally different um, kind of field on their first job out it gives you a bit more of an indicator of what they're actually after versus what was available for them at the time and I think it really does a lot to sort of bridge the gaps and and, um, show that you do have a genuine interest in what you're trying to apply for
1: that's such a theme that's been coming through in listening to you Mitch it's like that genuine interest that differentiator being the fact that you live and breathe whether it's uh you know maybe you're a bit of a gamer or you're somebody that does the the mathematical puzzles it does feel like an industry or a career where it's it's more than just a job it's more than just a technical skill set it's actually this passion by the sounds of it and this inquisitiveness that drives that passion. So, I just want to grab something that you've just said there, Mitch, and we're freestyling a little bit here again. Uh, Didn't send this question to you before, but the word resume. uh, I do not envy you working in recruitment in the tech space when it comes to sifting through resumes. We've had a lot of conversations on the show about how to write your resume for the reader rather than for yourself. But when it comes to a really technical space, you know, I'm just visualizing acronyms all over the shop. Can you just give us some little um, gems as far as what people should be doing in presenting their resume so that you can actually assess their skill set and their suitability for a job? What are you looking for?
2: Easiest way to do it, uh, up the top just after you buy, give a little bit of an introduction about yourself and and list the technologies you've worked with, be it programming languages, frameworks. Uh, you know, networking, uh, technology, servers, anything like that that can sort of uh, just immediately show somebody that you're either right for the position or you're on the fringe or you're not right for the position, it'll get you through. Uh, In project-based roles as well, if you have a separate project portfolio rather than just sort of making your actual CV a lot larger and turning, you know, two or three pages into five or six, it helps people go through and find the information they need where they need to see it.
0: That's great, Mitch. Are you seeing just on the project-based roles – Are you – I'm just curious, are you seeing the roles that get advertised be primarily like fixed-term contract-based roles or they're for a specific kind of key project to get delivered and then they finish up or are they permanent roles? How's that looking at the moment?
2: A lot of it is contract-based. We'll get given uh, sort of an approximate range of six-ish months. Uh, Sometimes they'll turn into kind of rolling contracts on a more – kind of casual basis than a fixed term or maximum term Um, but we are seeing people particularly now in in the current environment really side with going for a casual approach rather than uh, hiring people permanently or to go on a fixed or or max term.
0: And do you find that the candidates that you're working with that are are getting those jobs on a contract, are they often getting standard or are they moving from business to business? Um, What's the likelihood of ending up in a permanent gig?
2: I think people who make a career off doing contract work, generally later in their career, um, we'll see a lot of people who have had, you know, they've sort of run the, the corporate race uh, in the city and, and they've held quite senior positions and they take more of a consulting approach. Um, so they'll be yeah, later in their career and kind of looking to go between contracts. We'll have sometimes people who will only want to work on a maximum of six months because it supports them, you know, traveling uh, and, and that's sort of in their downtime.
1: Let's talk about salaries, because yes. I, I love that you've just raised that it's a bit like the creative industry. I think people going into the creative industry, they, they get a sense for the fact that there's a higher chance that they'll be freelancing or a higher chance they'll be on contracts. Yeah. And it's interesting to learn that there's maybe some similarities in the tech space. But what, uh, what can you share with us about salaries? I think you had a specific question, didn't you, Shell? Yeah, so what
0: uh, what could a grad expect as a yeah, starting one. salary?
2: Yeah, so uh, a graduate, uh, we're saying in as a developer, a junior or graduate developer can be looking sort of anywhere between Sixty to, to 70000 as a base in, in their first position. Yep. Coming out into help desk is probably, you know, 55-ish ends up, sort of more in alignment with call centre roles. But obviously as you go to level one, level two, level three, um, the salary increases with that. But there's a, a massive range uh, depending on the type of business you'd be working with, the location, um, and uh, probably even the, the actual hours that you'd be sure. doing.
0: And so if I was um, interested in what area of tech pays the most, <laughs> what would you say... If you want to get maximum bank for your buck out of your degree and go into this industry, this is, this is where it's at.
2: Uh, big data or software development, but you have to be quite senior to sure. get the big roles. But that's you know, upwards of 150 as a base if you want to work at a bank in the city.
1: You've been writing these blogs, Mitch, that I've seen on LinkedIn and I think you're doing them in partnership with um, another, a local tech company and you might be able to fill in some of the blanks there for us and they all start with what the heck is and then it goes on to talk about IoT and API and different things. I feel like I might need one on big data because that just went over my head again. I'm being the blonde today um, but I'm learning lots, I'm learning lots. So, what is big data?
2: Well, uh, well. So, SAC engineering are supporting us in writing those articles. Liam Manning, the COO there, has been lending his time. He's a great guy. Um, big data is probably we'll put in the next topic. Um, it comes down. To it's, it's sort of included in that IoT space and the data collection and actually utilizing that um, in massive amounts. So, it's a yeah. There's a, there's a lot to it. They require a lot of servers um, to actually store. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do an article about it. Thank you. <laughs> I will
0: read it. I will. Mitch, I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, Join the club. Is that (laughs) not what I've been doing the whole time? (laughs) I like it. It's good. So, I'm thinking about when – so, when I studied and I guess I imagine for some of those more straightforward industries where you get your degree, you go into uh, the business, you go into your role and you're doing on-the-job learning but um, your kind of degree is a a key part of that – In technology, I'm really interested in what that on-the-job learning looks like because it is that fast-paced industry. I often find when we're like talking with developers in my team, they're always learning, they're always researching on the job because things are changing so rapidly. What does that look like? Um, Is the degree qualification just like you have to have this to get in but then you have to have this continual desire and drive to be learning as you go?
2: Yeah, so I, I was at a conference, uh, I think mid last year, and I think it was the head of recruiting at IBM, um, sort of she spoke about the new kind of categories in, in the current workforce so you'd have sort of blue collar and white collar but they refer to the current generation of workers in tech as new collar and what that refers to is you have the foundational skills uh, to do your job after probably the second year in your degree but it needs to be complemented with continuous and ongoing learning I think intellectual stagnation in tech is, is career suicide essentially um so you've got on the job learning mentoring is a, is a really big part, um, particularly in development for those juniors uh, seniors in their team taking the time, helping them learn and, and helping them problem solve um, but they yeah, the courses in those places.
0: Because I'd imagine when you finish your, your four year degree, what you learned in first year is completely outdated. Yes, or what you learned a year ago will be will be outdated. like I love sitting down with our uh, tech guys that we work with and seeing how they how they do it I often like, Oh, you're just Googling the answer. Like, I sometimes <laughs> wish I could Google the answer to a people problem. Um, what do I do when this happens? Do you not do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you should try. People are weird. That's what I've learned. And I'm like, yeah, I can't Google point. this. People are just yeah. so
1: weird. That's no, true. It'd be great too. But <laughs> it is, it's a good point because it would be so challenging for universities to stay, to keep their course uh, content yeah, up and to I date imagine, as well.
0: And I imagine that's like something where what you're saying of that that new collar generation of work where people are continually learning and so if you're wanting to move from say HR into mm. tech it asking would be a for t- a friend shell <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why I asked the question about salary too just interested <laughs> to get the label land but you would have to adopt a totally different learning style to in order to thrive in that industry
2: yeah yeah that's absolutely correct um, and you mentioned sort of people googling uh, for answers it It's so broad what you learnt. Uh, A lot of what you do in university is more sort of foundational uh, logic behind the programming languages and how they work. Um, Not so much approaches or, or best practice coding standards because they do change and they are quite dynamic. But, you know, you'll have people who are seniors, you'll have people who are senior engineers at Google who have been there for, you know, 10 years who will still need to Google because it's so diverse. People have experienced the problem that you're facing for the first time ever somewhere. Places like Stack Overflow are a um, really great resource for that.
0: Yeah, great. I love that. And it's good to know the types of capabilities and qualities you need to bring in in order to be successful and have that career progression that you're looking for. Let's
1: bust a myth. Have you got a, a sort of a misconception? I thought you were
0: going to say bust a move. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, Go I, I wish we were
1: recording like filming you because I'd <laughs> like to see that. Sorry, keep going. That's okay. We're, we're a bit loopy this morning. Uh, so let's bust a myth. And uh, I'm hoping that maybe you've got a misconception uh, or something that you tend to find just continues to come up about this industry that you work in, Mitch, that you can put out there and, and then sort of prove wrong.
2: We've actually spoken about them both in a way yeah. uh, already. The the One of them is the one that we we're just speaking about, which is that you kind of need to know everything to be successful in tech. You're continuously learning. So it's, it's better to admit that you don't know everything than pretend that you do know everything. But the other is that tech and, and people who work in tech are those sort of socially removed people. You might find that there's a high prevalence of people who are introverted just by nature of what the role is. But you're not going to have people segregated from the working force. They're so a part of it. It's a very social working environment now, and, and tech's included in that.
0: I love that. I think that's so helpful what you've said, both of those things about the learning and the types of learning that needs to happen, but also about what it takes to lead and being engaged in that social side, which will set a tech person apart for their career progression. Mitch, it's so good to have you on the show. Is there anything, one final piece of advice that you would give our listeners today?
2: Don't be scared to reach out. If you're looking to find uh, a position or to start your your career move, you really do have to be on the front foot. I think you've both said it enough that you could probably just put in a sound sample that if you're looking for work, you kind of need to treat finding a job as your job reach out to people, build connections, get involved in the community. Tech in particular has a really social meetup community where they'll get people together and they will tinker. They'll, they'll play with Raspberry Pis or, or um, write a new program. So I've heard
1: there's often pizza too.
2: There's often pizza, sometimes beers depending on <laughs>
0: oh, where wild. you go.
2: Yeah, yeah, but you know, don't drink. But I think just reaching out, being social is the right thing to do.
0: And on that, how can we connect with you and how can we find you for our listeners today? you on LinkedIn? You're not on Instagram?
2: No, no Insta, no Facebook. I'm, wow. on, Insta, uh, on, on, I'm on LinkedIn. What kind
0: of millennial are you?
2: <laughs> I'm a hermit. I'm a modern hermit.
0: Nice. So how do I find you on
2: LinkedIn though? Mitch McCormack. Uh, you would be able to find me. i go to Science Recruitment and HR. You usually find my uh, name on the post or putting a like out there.
0: Awesome. And then we can read all those articles about APIs and big data and... So on. <laughs> what the heck is?
1: And maybe even put in the odd request. I think if there's a particular topic, you wouldn't mind a message being hit up to um, to include something in particular in the mix. Oh,
2: absolutely not. Yeah, we'd, we'd love requests. Um, that way we, we know it's going to appeal to someone.
1: Love <laughs> right. that. Oh, it's been so nice to have my worlds collide today. So thank you so much for Coming along and, and sharing this, I was. Uh, it's always it's a bit of pressure when you bring someone along that you know, and you say, "Yeah, yeah, he'll be good, he'll be good." And look, I haven't lis- listened back to this episode yet, but I feel like
0: it's been valuable. You seem to know your stuff.
2: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Mitch. It's so good to chat, and there is so many opportunities in the tech space. So good to dive into it today and understand how to get a job. So if if you if I come to you for a tech job, you know why.
2: Yeah, we know the salaries now. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Mitch.
2: Great. Thank you for having me.
0: So if you enjoyed the show today and you are listening on Apple, why don't you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review? We'd love that. Thanks heaps for hanging out.